You are listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, a Canadian guide to building dependable wealth. Join your hosts, Richard Canfield and Jason Lowe, as they unlock the secrets to creating financial peace of mind in an uncertain world. Discover the strategies and mindsets to a financial future that you can bank on. We are ultra excited today to be joined by uh, Barry Dyke, who is a best-selling author. He is going to tell us today where all the bodies are buried, financially speaking. And um, his latest book, Jason just held up there, Guaranteed Income, A Risk-Free Guide to Retirement. That should sound appealing to any of our listeners. He's the founder of Castle Asset Management Group, written a number of books. And one thing that we're so excited to talk to Barry about today is his research. This is a gentleman who has done more research on the financial system and the shenanigans that take place at the upper echelon of the financial marketplace uh, in North America and beyond. And so he's going to be sharing some of that wisdom with us today. Um, if you really want to get a good glimpse into that, it, there's, it's, it's dovetailed in all of his books. But for me personally, one of my favorites is The Pirates of Manhattan 2, The Highway to Serfdom. There is so much detail, charts, references, information about stuff that happened during the, you know, the financial meltdown and the global crisis of 2008, 2009, and, and just the, the movement of capital at such a, a, a massive way. And so I think Barry, you'll share with us a little bit today, how that capital has been flowing yeah. and where we're at at this present level in 2021. And we'll be digging into some, uh, maybe some, some, some good Canadian uh, connections that you've already provided to us before we hit the record button. <laughs> Sounds good guys. Well, great, great to see my friends from the great white North, you know, Good day. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be with you, Barry. Good day, uh, yeah. Barry, we've got to, we, we have to start with something that takes us back to the beginning in how we came to know you. And okay. it was 2012, Birmingham, Alabama, the annual Infinite Banking Think Tank Symposium. And when you were introduced uh, for your talk, which your talk was amazing, by the way, I don't know if we can link to it, Rich, in the show notes, but that might be a possibility if we can get it uploaded. Amazing talk. And Nelson prefaced your talk, the late R. Nelson Nash, developer, pioneer of the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. He said that once you really understand what's happening, you'll know exactly what to do. And he he said, Barry... I need to encourage you to get a security detail because with the content that you put into this book and the truth, there's a pretty high probability that you're going to be assassinated <laughs> or taken out. And people laughed and chuckled at it. But Nelson said, like, I'm serious. Like, he, he is exposing the truth and people need to understand what's truly going on. And so that's a fond memory that Rich and I were talking about prior to um, welcoming you to our show today. Well, not, thank not you. fond in the fact that it was uh, potentially dangerous for you, but fond in the fact that we 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 trust Nelson to know what's really going on, and he he and he brought you and he wanted you to speak so desperately to share your message with our group. Well, yeah, well, thank you, and Nelson, God bless his soul. You know, um, he was just he was a wonderful man in my life, and. Uh, um, you know, and I'm a good Christian. I'm a Christian. I don't care who hears it. You know, I, I like everybody, black, white, yellow, red, Jewish, Muslim. I like them all. But the, the uh, uh, yeah, I get a lot of strength in the Bible. I have to read it every day because when you understand what's going on, it's like, oh, my God, do I take my cyanide pill now or later? You know, <laughs> you know, don't take it <laughs> on this show. Barry. No, I won't do it on the show. <laughs> no, but uh no, so that, that was a really grateful. But Nelson, he was the um, he was a wonderful uh, peace 
a person in my life. And um, uh, he was a, a, the, the consummate Southern gentleman, if, if there ever was one. And um, when, uh, it, you know, anyone read my book, The Pirates, what I went through, um, uh, he was very, very kind. And uh, he really helped me. And as a result, you know, I've sold my books like in 23 countries now and 33,000 uh, copies of the books. Wow. Sometimes I, I sell them to Canada, but the, but the postage, uh, uh, I'll have to come up with an ebook next time because the postage in Canada is ridiculous. You know, but um, uh, no, so it's, it's so anyway, so I've done the three books and, uh, um, you know, and I and um, and what you see now because capital flies really from border over to border. It doesn't matter whether it's in Canada or the U.S. or it's mobile. UK. It's mobile and, and everyone's in everyone's backyard. And um, and it's the financiers, whether it be Bay Street or Wall Street or the city of London, it's all the same. Yeah. And, and, and the problem is, is that. I applaud what you guys are doing. The problem is, is that no one's telling really any, many, many people the truth. Right. Very you know, right. It just, you know, and was it, was it saying the Bible in Hosea, my people perish due to lack of knowledge. Yep. So when you understand what's going on, you well, you start looking at some conservative products and things like that. And you say, she was life insurance and annuities. and things like that. They're pretty darn good. And, um, but the whole thing, you're not going to hear this many of the media. And, uh, you know, so it's a, uh, but I don't know if I also told you guys, but there's, uh, I'm in a documentary is going to be coming out this fall. Did I tell you guys about this? No, you didn't tell us, but I, I heard you talking about it on uh, the Banking with Life podcast with yeah, our, friend, so our friend James. We, yeah, so it's going to go to the Motion Picture Bureau uh, September 23rd or something like that. I, don't, I really don't know. And I really can't talk too much until the movie comes out, but. Um, then it's going to be released out of Utah online, but um, it's going to, I'm, I'm being it with some of the top economists in the country. And actually one of Canada's finest guy by the name of Moshi Novilsky. I've never heard mm -hmm. of him out of Toronto, University of Toronto. And he's, he's, a, uh, he's a retirement scholar, very internationally known. And him and, um, and uh, let's see, there's a couple of guys, William Sharp and um, um Robert Merton and both got the Nobel Prize in economics, talking about using annuities and insurance and things like that. And then, and also um, Olivia Mitchell of um, Wharton and um, a lot of other cool people. And Ted Bennett, the guy who created the, the 401k in this country, which is in the US, which is no, what is it, RSP? What's the Canadian? Yep. RS, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, RSP is the equivalent. Yeah, the Registered Save you know, Retirement Savings, <laughs> quote unquote, savings. Gambling plan. account. <laughs> they should have named it aptly uh, a creature of the tax code. Yeah. So yeah, as you as you know, the RSPs, 401ks, it's the same thing. And I remember, I remember one time I was, I was speaking in Las Vegas one time, and there was a guy there from Belgium, you know, I was talking about this stuff. He says, oh, we have the same thing in Belgium, you know? <laughs> so it's really, it's what they're doing is essentially they're, they're taking their, their other people's money, gambling with it and saying it's going to be a retirement plan. When a mutual fund, you know, a toaster, a new toaster got more guarantees than a, than a, than a mutual fund, you know? But that's... <laughs> <laughs> that... <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome and and true it, and it's also funny i just threw away a toaster that stopped working so that's <laughs> that is saying something right there and and barry you say in your book uh guaranteed income which uh, we are going to provide a link to we want people to get their hands on a copy uh we're going to source uh copies that we can fulfill um orders from our listening yeah, audience and fedex ground by the way is the best way to go ship to canada you know 
We can ship them up to you, whatever. That's it. That's Perfect. what we do with my friend Bruce. You know, Perfect. Saying. And, you know, you say in there that bankers love guarantees of life insurance companies. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, where's isn't, my it, Isn't that interesting? You know, the, the banking industry wants you to give up the motion of your money so that they can gain it, yet at the very same time, espousing how much they love the guarantees associated with dividend-paying participating whole life insurance contracts. Yeah, they do. And they, and they, and they buy it really big, um, in a big, big way, as you know, um, let me <clears throat> pull up, uh, but yeah, cause, uh, but that, that, that was the amazing thing. And, um, um, you know, I'm actually, uh, this will be part and when I have this new book, I'm, I'm writing a new book, an update to guaranteed income too, which will be, you know, primarily about, uh, de-risking people's money for uh, retirement. Cause the thing in, uh, uh, guys in retirement, all people really want is they want to have an income stream so they can, you know, retire and, and, and enjoy their, their kids and their family, their grandchildren. They don't care about how much money watching the stock market, watch these guys gamble in rooms with their money. Right. So the thing is people really want to have an income stream. And so, um, but, but the whole thing, is, it, yeah, it's, it's truer than ever. Um, and in fact, um, uh, I don't know, does Lloyd's do banking up there in Canada? They must do, am I correct? Oh yeah. Yep. Lloyd's okay. Oh yeah. Yep. So um, let me just, I'll just kind of do, do uh, let me pull up a file so I can just give your, your, your listeners this kind of a taste uh, some of the information that's going to come out. Um, and while you're doing that, Barry, you know, maybe expand at the same time in terms of your research into bank owned life insurance and how the general public, they're not told that the bankers don't want you to know this. They don't want you to understand this. It, they don't want to um, be in a position where they're, uh, you know, taking away liquidity. They're taking, moving capital away from their system. If they're educating people on warehousing money inside of a, a life insurance company. So maybe expand a little bit on that. Okay. Well. Well, 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 let's go. Let's just go. How a basic bank is structured. Okay. okay. And it ain't too much. There ain't no much difference. Okay. But if it's in Canada or the UK or the US. Okay. Okay. Now, the thing is, is that the most important asset of any bank, whether it be in Canada or the U.S. or the U.K. or anywhere, is what is called tier one capital. Yeah. All right. That's the most important asset of the bank, because from that tier one capital base, that's the money which they can lend out to the public. Right. Now, since September 2019 has been kind of crazy, we've turned the world into a Frankenstein. But what has happened is that um, um, all banks are really they're they generally have been regulated to lend against that tier one capital. So in other words, they have a billion US or Canadian or a billion pounds sterling or whatever. They're essentially a bank has been limited to lending, laying out nine times, 10 times that tier one capital. Now, since about 2019, that all bets are off. Banks let other banks lend out anything. So there's really unlimited. But the thing is, is that the most important asset any bank is tier one capital. And generally this consists of things like gold, hard real estate, um, you know, mortgages, high quality mortgages, treasury bills, that very, very, and, and life insurance. So those are really kind of the, those are really kind of the only really kind of accredited, uh, 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 and they're given what's called a, a risk weighting. And actually life insurance is really one of the best risks in terms of stability. Yeah, um, but yeah. you never, you're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear that in the press. And, um, you know, and the funny thing is that and I talk about this, 
I've actually gone through this with um, National Public Radio, which was the uh, uh, the uh, giant nonprofit radio in uh, the U.S. And I'll be putting this in the book. And then I went through this with CNBC, which is a, you know. Uh, and then I also went through this with Bloomberg. So this will be all. I actually in in the movie people. I will essentially be, be talking about my experience with Bloomberg, which is huge. I mean, I think it's the biggest financial news network in the world now. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, so I essentially disclosed all this at Bloomberg about it a decade ago. Nothing ever came to came about of it. So, but my point is that so so if you understand the structure of banks and you say, well, why are they putting all this money there? No one puts a billion dollars here, a billion dollars there. I mean, but this is what's happening. And so, um, so. And any civilization, whether it be anywhere, is that really it's really really important where people save and, uh, and invest their money. Yeah. And um, I think as a fiduciary, you know, you know, I, I'm a registered investment advisor, so I have a legal obligation to look out for what's best for people. And I think from a moral perspective, we do as well. Um, but so when you understand life insurance, it's really kind of it's it's a it's a it's a Swiss Army of financial products. You know, you know, so you can do so much with it, um, but you're not going to hear that because they wanted to gamble and speculate and gamble and speculate. <laughs> Whereas you may have some, there's some good companies left in Canada. There's some good ones left in the U S okay. But it's, it's getting smaller and smaller. Um, so, but the thing is that their whole attitude is like if it, uh, investment bankers or bankers, if, if they can't get 15% return on equity, on, on, on they don't want anything to do with it. Right. Which is just, no one gets 15% continuously. But um, but so a well-run life company is um, you know generally happy five six seven percent rate of return on equity, and um, but that's kind of that's out of fashion. It's all old fashioned, but it works. Well, Canada's largest mutual life carrier, without running an advertisement for any one particular life company, their return on policyholders' equity has been double digits since rich since you and I have been policy owners with them, and long before that. How's that possible? <laughs> I mean, you're not going to find mutual funds on the tier one capital list of any uh, commercial bank, whether, and maybe it's different in the United States, I don't know. But large pensions are turning to life insurance companies to say, listen, we, we need your help. You're so stable. You've got this whole, you know, uh, capital management process pinned down. We need your help. Yeah, matter of fact, so, I'll give you a great example of that. So let's have uh, Bell Canada, right? They're still up yeah. there in Canada, right? Yep. Let's <laughs> uh, see. Hang on. Let me see. I'll find this one second for you guys. Because I'm a doubting Thomas, so I give. I, where the heck is it? Okay. Okay. The Bell System. Gigantic phones. Uh, uh, the the AT and T of uh, in Quebec uh, in uh, in March of 2015. You know what they bought? They bought a five billion dollar annuity to to take over their pension plan. So wow. Bell, which is, I don't know, it's, it's a huge company, right? Yeah. Yep. They bought a $5 billion annuity to take over the, to de-risk their pension plan. Matter of fact, uh, there's another company, which I, I got a kick out of this. And you guys, only you guys will get a kick out of this one. Um, and I thought of it because I did some little, just a little preparation for you. Um, bank. Uh, oh, yeah. This one, I get a kick out of this one. A little company called Canada Banknote. Have you heard of them? They're the people who make the paper for all your currency. Okay. <laughs> they bought a annuity in um, 
December of 2016 for $26 million to take over their pension plan. So, so the whole thing is, is that, uh, so the, the company that makes the paper for your currency bought an annuity to take over its pension plan. (laughs) (laughs) That is super comical. The irony is unprecedented, but additionally, it's also like a takeaway that comes up for me is look, where did the only place they can go get that annuity from is from an insurance company. And so the, the company that makes and prints our money is worried about their pension plan. So they're de-risking it by getting the annuity so they can create, you know, uh, income stability over a really long period of time to protect and preserve that pension so that they don't go bankrupt when they have to start making the payouts to the, to the employees. Yet they had to go and put that money into an insurance company. Well, what is the insurance company going to do with that money, Barry? Well, they, they have to invest it like everyone else. You know, they have to invest it like everyone else. They're just more conservative. They, they, they're not a swing for the fences. Yeah. Um, and they're highly regulated. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the Canadian system as well as I know the U S uh, but ultra highly regulated. Oh yeah. They, Whatever they highly regulated to, is ratchet it up more. They have <laughs> to, um, they have to maintain, you know, minimum continuing capital surplus reserves. Uh, you know, they're regulated in terms of, um, I guess, instruments or categories that they can actually yeah. so invest probably, capital in. And yeah. So probably some of the U S you know, look as the U S they, they have some money in stock that's very, very little, you know, yeah. most of it's maybe. So I assume the same thing. So, but that's the whole thing is, is that, and I'll, I'll talk to you people too about it. Cause in this book, one of the, the benefits I had is that I get to, because of writing the book, you, you get to open up a lot of doors. And um, I was writing about this this morning and there was a guy by the name of Jeremy Gold. And he was very, um, he was, and, and you'll get the book when I, when I get it, but Jeremy Gold is a wonderful guy. He was, he was an actuary and um, um, he was a kind of, he got it, uh, admitted to MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology just to uh, get a degree in mathematics at age 16. So the guy was very bright, okay? But he said, I don't like that. And after three years, he uh, played pool and drove across country. Just a real renegade type of guy. Make, make a long story short, he um, became an actuary and, uh, uh, and he, he worked with Morgan Stanley and you know, these giant investment banks. Okay. And um, I had conversation with him before he died. Unfortunately, he died in 2018. But um, we, he agreed. He said that the best pension plans are run like life insurance companies. Shocking. Shocking, you know, because <laughs> a life insurance company uh, overestimates um, uh, overestimates their liabilities and underestimates the reserves. So it makes it very conservative. Hello. And so when you Look at the best. You know who the best system, pension system in the world is, guys. You know, in the world ranking. Well, actually, Canada is better than the U.S. But uh, in the top twenty, what do you think Canada sits in terms of the world league tables in terms of retirement plans? I would say it's probably borderline at, in the in around ten. Yeah, Canada, Canada is better than the U.S. The states is around eighteen. All right. Okay. We're, we're next to Malaysia. You know, we're kind of like almost like a third world country at this point. But the relative best, to retirement funding for retirement yeah. plans. But the best system in the world are, are the Dutch. Hmm. That's the interesting. Because they run it, they run at very low interest rate assumptions. They usually like three and a half percent long-term rate return, which is smart. Yeah. And uh, matter of fact, and I also have you'll have to see the research and uh, coming out with the book, is that I wrote to the pension authorities in, in Holland and they said, Oh, yeah, by the way, when you have a 401k or RSP or whatever you call them, okay, 
you have to convert it into an annuity. Hello? So it can actually <laughs> produce the income that you want it to, to have and be there when you actually need it. So it's actually a requirement. So, um, you know, because, you, you know, I'm not saying when you look at retirement plans or savings, well, you got to look for preservation of capital first and foremost. Yeah. Would you agree? And um, matter of fact, the great Benjamin Graham, who was the patron saint of um, Warren Buffett, said the most important thing is to have preservation of principle. If, if, if you don't have preservation of principle, it's investments calls considered speculative. Right. But, but here we see in the U.S. and Canada and the U.K., everyone's, everyone's throwing their money into the, into the Wall Street or the Bay Street or the City of London Casino going, oh, I hope my money comes in on red or black. And that's what's happening. And you guys, I salute you guys. You're saying, hey, by the way, why don't you put your money in the same place? And it'll be there. And, it, and by the way, even if you die, your family gets a whole bunch of more money and, and other things like that. And, um, you know, how long have you guys been in the business now? 13 years. 13 years. All right. So I've been and, in th and this is all we've ever done. Really? We, we we're not in the money business. We're not exposing, you know, clients' money to uh, to to unnecessary risk and to speculation and gambling and all of that nonsense that goes on out there in the world. We haven't had a client call us once in 13 years to say that they were pissed off that their cash values kept rising every day. Yeah. <laughs> not one. It's never happened. We just channel you know, Nelson's message to the best way that we can, the way that we think he wanted it to the best of our ability. And we're just trying to show people what Nelson taught us yep. to the best of our ability. And how, how are you getting any traction up there? I mean, it's just, uh, Oh yeah. It's hard. Oh yeah. Um, people want change. They, they want control. I think that we're, we're at the precipice of people awakening to the idea that they, they can and should have more control over their money they know fundamentally, Nelson used to say, look, all you got to do is ask someone, do you ever have the gut feeling there's something fundamentally wrong in the financial world that we live in? If the answer is yes, give me 20 bucks, buy this book. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I never that's use that line. That's a great one. That's a great, yes. So, so this is what, what, what you see is going on. And unfortunately, and then you have all this new, even more craziness now with, they have what is called SPACs. Have you heard of these things called special purpose acquisition? Companies, no. I saw all the rage on Wall Street. This is I the, love this the acronyms. It's always these acronyms that create the downfall of the collapse. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and they and the, the, the when I hear these these words, that are, I always get when they say this time it's different. Like then I want to run for the run. fences, you know. <laughs> yeah, run. And, and that's what's happening again. And you know, um, um, and so what you're seeing is now it's and migration of money uh you're seeing the canadian um which is really kind of weird is the uh, uh the the state pension funds the provincial pension provincial funds, like, yeah yeah they're really getting involved in, the, in this private equity game in, in a big big way yeah and um just look look no further than ohio national there you go with a prime example yeah and so it, it's really kind of frightening and uh um, and the thing is that they made a they made a really good purchase. They got the company really for nothing. Um, they said uh, like a half a billion dollars, but they only put like hundred million dollars down. But the reason why Ohio National got into trouble is because of their the variable uh, annuity block of business, where they made guaranteed uh, lifetime withdrawal benefits on a 
on a variable block of business. That's like trying to, uh, uh, you know, you know, pin the tail on a uh, tornado. You ain't gonna do that. And uh, yeah. but that's you know, but so uh, Ontario. I forget which one who bought it, but Ontario and uh, the the Casa de Pope and um, in uh, Quebec, you know, yeah, and, Ontario um, and Quebec pension basically like pension fund or uh, I don't know if it's yeah. the public, was it the public service one or if it was a teacher's one or what have you. Yeah, we have the big ones are the you know, OMERS, uh, Ontario Municipal Employees Retirement System, um, then the uh, Canadian uh, Pension Plan, and then the Casa de Pope. I think they're the three biggest, okay, but they actually, they do a better job in the private equity business, but, you know, I, I just to kind of, and I thought of you guys, that um, I said, here's some of the things, but they can go wrong too. And uh, not not like, no one screws up like the Americans, but, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, uh, it cross borders. There's another one. Here's one, Onex. You ever heard of a company called Onex Corporation? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah they huge, just right? keep getting bigger. Yep. Okay. It's a publicly traded uh, private equity firm. This is the private equity model. Okay. And they bought a little company called Hawker Beechcraft. You probably don't know who that is, but it was it was the second largest like business jet company in the world, like in a leveraged buyout in 2007. And they bought it with Goldman Sachs and they bought it with all this risky, what is called pick notes. A pick note is a acronym for payment in kind, which is essentially a bond, which promises to pay nothing. <laughs> if you can, you know, if, if you can put your head around that. Okay. But they bought this company in a leveraged buyout, very uh, highly funded with debt. And they, in like two or three years later, now, and then they put it into bankruptcy. And and, and so this is, you know, Goldman Sachs and Onyx, and you know, the smartest guys in the room, okay? Put the company into bankruptcy, and then they dumped the pensions onto the, uh, um, on the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, which is the kind of like the, the insurance plan for failed pensions in the US. I don't know if you have anything like that in Canada. I think you guys are pretty more, Canadian system, a lot more prudent than the U.S. system, right? That's uh, what we understand. Yes. Yeah. So that's yeah. What, yeah so, uh, but but what you see is that um, most of these uh, private equity firms get their money from actually uh, from the large, you know, municipal and state and government pension plans. And you, you know what's interesting, Barry, is that if you think of what some of these large corporations do. So one of the examples that came to mind that Rich and I were chatting about prior to the program was General Electric. So back in the days when Jack Welsh was uh, CEO of this organization and he was on his way out, Jeffrey Immelt was taking over and uh, the media started to, you know, rally around the, all the noise about the, the pension that uh, Jack was going to receive, all the benefits that would continue for him for the remainder of his lifetime. Understanding that it was a guaranteed payment to him for as long as he lived and GE knew full well they were going to be fully reimbursed <laughs> and then some through the use of life insurance. Life insurance. And so if, if, the, if the corporation creates that for C-level executives, then the frontline worker has access to the very same tool to create the very same outcome. But the banks aren't going to espouse that the mutual fund companies aren't going to tell you that of course they're not and so that's what we're educating people on as it relates to that that period of time in your life called retirement 
what would you rather have? Would you rather be exposed to the risk of loss or the guarantees of gain? Take your pick. Yeah, as a matter of fact, there's the uh, there's two economists or behavioral scientists, Tversky, uh, Amos Tversky, whatever, that people would rather retain what they have than have a, a loss, okay? But we're, right. it's rammed down your throat. You got to put in the market, and, you know, make this, this horse better come in. And that's just being rammed down. Now, I'm not against investments, guys. I love my Google. I love my iPhones. Um, yeah. I love the technology you and I are on right now. I'm, 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 a, I'm a capitalist, okay? Um, but the thing is that, but we really shouldn't be risking, um, you know, you know, we should really have a be saving first. Well, and you have to, you have to understand it because if you, you're not going to go to Las Vegas with the deed to your house, the note for your car, your whole registered retirement savings plan account balance, you're going to look inside your wallet and say, what am I comfortable losing? (laughs) And if I gain a little bit, great. But when I get to Vegas, that's all I've got is what's in the wallet. I'm not... I'm not showing up with everything. And, and what people are doing in the general public today is they're, they're buying into all of the noise and the nonsense that's going on out there. You need to expose your money to risk in order to grow it. Someone else is much better at managing this money than you ever will be. So just go ahead and hand it over to us so we can gain the motion of it. And if, and if we lose it, all we lose is a client. You, lose, you lost all your money. And, it, and, uh, and yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's always about gambling with other people's money. Right. And it's pretty easy to gamble when it's not your own money, you know, and um, governments and do no it all day long. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's the way RSPs, are, 401ks, same thing. Okay. There's absolutely no accountability whatsoever. Right. Well, one thing that Nelson said that rings for me to this conversation is that an investment is only or should only be in something you know a great deal about right everything else everything else is speculation so if you don't know anything about google or crypto xyz whatever it is if you don't haven't taken the time to learn and educate it's not your field you don't know anything about it then you you won't recognize the opportunity when the opportunity arises whereas nelson he was trained as a forester he understood timberland he, he recognized a piece of land and what that piece of land could produce. And he recognized highest and best value. When could that piece of land be transitioned into something that could be a higher and better value for a future exit? He, he had that learned experience to be able to make those decisions because he knew a great deal about it. So investments were in things that he actually knew where he knew he could, he could reasonably control to a high degree the outcome, even though there was risk versus, oh, everyone on the water cooler says that you know, this looks good. Let's go throw some money over there and bank, you know, bank on the future. Maybe, maybe it'll be there. Maybe it won't be there. And people operate their financial life like an ostrich. They're just jamming their head in sand. Yeah. And, and actually there's, um, you know, I'll get into some of this stuff. Uh, uh, the, uh, Henry Bess- Bessenbinder. Okay. He's an economist at the uh, university of uh, uh, Arizona, wherever it, it's, Picking stocks is like picking lottery tickets, you know, and and actually what what I've also uh, been incorporating, I, and I have two actuarial firms to back this up, is that if you look at large pools of money, and I have two actuarial firms that I looked at, <clears throat> look at essentially the pension plans in the United States, which essentially one of the large pools of retirement money there is, if you, they pretty much mirror what is called 30-year treasury bills, so with all this crazy shenanigans and 
private equity and trading and all this stuff like that, people are just a bit better off buying long bonds when, when you look at the end of the day. Um, but no, I, I agree with you saying you should really know as much as you possibly can. I think back, uh, and I agree with you too, Barry. I mean, I, you know, I'm personally not, not um, opposed to, you know, investment in something, as Richard said, that you know a great deal about. And long before discovering and understanding this process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept and, and deciding, hey, this is going to be a lifetime pursuit. What I did in making investment decisions at a very young age was take a look in the pantry, the refrigerator, and the medicine cabinet. And I asked myself, regardless of what's going on in any economy, are people going to stop eating cereal, shaving, <laughs> uh, taking Tylenol when they have a headache, putting the Band-Aid on when they get a scrape, scratch, or cut? And those were the companies that I invested money in because I understood it a great deal because I was a buyer of the business as well as a consumer of the product of the business that I was buying. And, and that's, that's what made sense to me personally. I've put no more money into any of those uh, particular equities, but reinvested all the dividends. And th those amounts have blossomed and grown, irrespective of stock price volatility. Whether you own one share or 10,000, your risk exposure is the same if all you're focused on is the price of the stock. But that's what worked well, you know, for me. But I'll tell you, in um, our, uh, Rich can attest to this, in our uh, educating the, the Canadian marketplace about this process, it is really, really growing wings. Like we are through Wealth Without Bay Street, through the Banker's Vault, through um, Ascended Financial, through all of the, the mediums that we're getting out there on social media, the YouTubes, the Facebooks, the tweeters, et cetera. We're getting this message out there and it's resonating. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it, it, you're not going to get it from the, you're not going to get it from the media and you're not going to get it from the governments. Okay. Cause they're all beholden to the powers that be. So it really has to, it has to be grassroots. Um, and, um, and so I applaud you. So that's, you know, that's, so God's given me, a, I'm a good researcher. Okay. I'm just persistent, you know, and I just, because when I was a kid, I used to try to figure, I used to take toys apart and I, and I would try to figure out how to, how they put, sometimes I couldn't get put them back together. My parents would get really <laughs> pissed off, but okay. But, but I learned a lot by taking things apart, you know, and then putting it back together. And so that's what I did with the banking system. And, and, uh, and these mutual funds and, and how these things work. And I said, a lot of it's just, just a bloody scam. Were but you worried uh, as your research expanded? Like what inspired you to write the book, Pirates of Manhattan? I had to reinvent myself. Anyone read my book, I went, I went through a very acrimonious divorce and, you know, I, and I have three wonderful kids, but I went through, I went, I went through a city of my life as a book of Joe. I went from being a pretty successful guy, had a benefits business, um, doing and a pretty successful guy and, uh, to losing everything, you know, so it was just, uh, uh, it was a spiritual experience. Let me put it that way. So I just, I just dislike guys. I hate economic, I hate bullies, you know? And so, and, and so I knew something about economic bullies and, and, and I also understood cause I had sold pension plans. I had a pension administration business. I had a I, I was doing working with with startups and a lot of these companies going public. So I, I but, but I really wanted to understand how the whole system worked. 
and I, I couldn't figure it out. So I had to reinvent myself. And, you know, I, uh, and now I, you know, I went through a, a lot, kind of a hell, and it was. Um, but now I look at it as a blessing because it was kind of a my MBA and PhD of, uh, of hard knocks, you know. So, you know, I, so so that's what motivated me. Yeah, I, I wanted to get out of my uh, my own uh, proverbial uh, poop, but I also really wanted to help others. And um, yeah. Rich and I were curious, uh, you know, when Pirates of Manhattan was released and then, of course, uh, Pirates of Manhattan 2 and then now with uh, the release of the update to uh, your latest book, has, has there ever been a time where, where you were concerned, you know, for, for your own personal safety with, with all of the truths that you exposed uh, the, the masses to? And, and again, we're talking about these books. We're, we're going to provide links so that our listeners can get their hands on these books. It, you, if you have not read Barry Dyke's books, you have an opportunity. But was there ever a point where you felt like, oh boy, if I keep going down this rabbit hole, um, I may not come out of it? Uh, yeah, um, uh, actually, this is a true story. And I'll anyone knows, matter of fact, I had someone in my my office this morning, old, a friend of mine, one of my fans, and uh, um, who's seen me. And uh, oh yeah, I've been audited by the you know I'm you know because I'm a, I have to open up my kimono and let everything people know everything. Um, when the first book came out, I had uh, at the time it was when the, the, the business people who uh, who uh, who uh, funded my research in, in the first book. Yeah, I was scared. I had I at the time I had a shiny new BMW, and I had two windshields two windshields busted out, mm. and, um, and 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 some auditors and things like that. So really, kind of yeah. So um, but and again, I you know. Uh, <clears throat> but you know, it's 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 to me it's it's a God thing, you know. And and people said, well, you got to be brave. Well, my father was a uh, was a Marine in World War II, and he was in Guadalcanal, probably one of the one of the most violent uh, battles ever known, you know, in mankind. Where you know, fifteen thousand men got killed. Yeah. I said, I'm not brave. These guys were brave. Yeah. You know, and uh, so anyway, so yeah, so but that's yeah, and and I've I've actually spoken to police groups and the whole thing and. They said I kind of came up in the radar because of the research, but everything is, you know, everything I'm putting in these books, guys, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that smart. I'm just a good aggregator of data and backing it up. So everything I, I have, and you notice in my books, with bibliographies, everything, it's all been doc documented with public data. Yeah. And um, like 30, 30 pages of links and resources to all oh, the material yeah. in Pirates of Manhattan too. Like the back of the book, like a chunk of the book is like, normally there's like a glossary. Well, you've got like, there's, here's all the references where I got all this information. So yeah, like I'm just, just talking about like Onex, Onex and Goldman Sachs bankrupting Hawker Beechcraft. Okay. All matter of public record guys, you know? And so it's, it, it, so my point is that, the, so yeah, you have to be this way because otherwise you're just, you know, you you know, you're setting yourself up, and uh, you know, and uh, is uh, but but yeah. So, but it's been fun too because a lot of people uh, open up your door, and I get to, I've been getting to know a lot of pretty well-known people, economists and stuff like that because of just having some. Because so since since what? the last financial crisis, yeah. Where where are we headed? Because the For the next one, yeah. Uh, at full speed ramming speed you know it's um 
and the funny thing, I was thinking about you guys in Canada, because if you look at the, the debt levels now, which is really, it's really the world problem. It's not, not just U.S., not just Canada. It's not, but, but you Canadians are freaking crazy, man. You got more debt. I mean, I'll, I have, I have a, like a client of mine. She's from Ontario and uh, her mother has a house in Ontario. You can't get, you can't buy a house in Ontario now for like less than a million bucks or something like that. Yeah. Because it's all about this printing of money. So it's, so it's always about the debt and manipulation of the interest rates. You know, you and get manipulation mor- interest rates. mortgage okay. interest rate at 1.5%. Well, what, what does that cause for people to want to go buy houses? And it's just, it's just an inflationary time bomb. Yeah. So, so this is what we're seeing. And, uh, you know, so th- there's no question because, um, uh, I know the mortgage, uh, I thought the U S was really bad, but, but you Canadians are worse so with the mortgage debt. Okay, but we win in everything else: margin debt, lending on student, student loan loans, debt. credit credit cards, all yeah. this stuff. It's it's just all time high. And uh, matter of fact, the margin debt, which is borrowing against uh, securities portfolios, is higher than it was in 1999, uh, 2000, prior to the last dot com meltdown, which which was which was another major. It's, and it's exceeded what it was in 2007 and 2008. And, 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 you know, and credit cards, student loans, auto loans, you name it. So um, what you guys are doing are great, too, because you can give people hope and you can show them ways to you know, like finance automobiles and things like that, that nature. That's exactly right. And now, on that note, all I'm curious about is, you know, we we had bailouts that happened in 08, 09 situation. There was a huge shift in a movement in a lot of countries that have central banking systems to move to a bail-in type of legislation situation. Now, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around that. I'd love to get your perspective on it, Barry, you know, maybe to share with our listeners about the well, difference between bailouts versus bail-ins. Well, last time around, and big, bail-ins aren't baked into the system now, by the way, guys, now whether they implement it or not. Um, uh, but, but essentially, bail-outs is when, when all the banks collapsed in 2007, 2008, Essentially, the Federal Reserve and, and you know, and Bank of Canada and uh, Bank of England essentially created, printed up all this money and essentially bailed them all out. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, um, uh, basically a the, tax on the taxpayer to pay, a pledge to pay the taxpayer over a really long period of time in the future at some future date. So we essentially, we, we privatized the profits and we socialized the losses. So there was... <laughs> Which is privatize the, the profits, socialize the losses. Oh, that's you know? so good. So, so, so the thing is, is that so, so that's what happened in 2007 and 2008, and it's still going on today with the, the Federal Reserve. And, and you start looking at the Bank of Canada and the Bank of England, the Carney, and all these, they're all from the Goldman Sachs, you know. But in any event, so, um, so when you see it's all about the debt guy, so uh, I think what you guys are doing uh, really a helpful message to the people is that. You're helping people rebuild their balance sheets and get them really strong. And you, you're insulating them from the Bay Street, Wall Street, City of London casino. Yeah. You know, that's, so, a, that's so, precisely it. You know, you're insulating from, from yeah. You know, and there's really no different, you know. <clears throat> you know, you know, they're all it's all it's all about gambling with other people's money. Toronto Stock Exchange, New York Stock Exchange, you know what I mean? Uh, London Stock Exchange—they're all the same. They may have Any, different names, different nuances, but they're the same. 
one quote that Nelson used to say is, as you know, do you know what the difference is between uh, Wall Street and Vegas or, or Bay Street and Vegas? He, he would say, well, Bay Street's located in Toronto. Between other than that, there is no difference. <laughs> yeah, I remember, no, remember him no, saying No, well, you ever hear the gentleman, what's the difference between Wall Street and Las Vegas? One's a casino in an island in New York, and the other one's a casino in the desert in Nevada. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's the one. And, yeah. you know, Nelson, um, uh, and again, you know, we, uh, we owe an incredible debt of gratitude to Nelson for, um, without him, we would not have met you. And so he, he was the catalyst to uh, the, the development of so many relationships of people who really want to understand the truth and really want to understand what is going on out there. Because once you do, you'll know exactly what to do. What to do. And, you know, if you, if you look forward, Barry, in terms of the research that you continue to do and what you're seeing, what insights can you share with our viewers and with our listeners? Don't spend what you don't have. I mean, it's simple, you know what I mean? To, to, to impress people you don't like, you know? Okay. <laughs> A lot of it is kind of common sense. Um, save before you invest, you know? Uh, if you have safety and you have safe money, it's like, I, I have a lot of money, my cash, family life insurance, a lot of money in the bank. I, if I find an opportunity, I can act on it. I don't need any bank or anything. When you have that, you know, guys, when you have that, that money in the bank, that access to capital, you can do whatever you want. That's right. The banks don't want that. They want you to go and borrow money at 15, 16%. I don't know, what are, how do credit, what, what, do you have the same type of credit card system in Canada as you do in the US? It's, it's very, very predatory. What, what are the interest rates they charge in some of that stuff? Uh, typically uh, around 19, 19, 20%. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Okay, and you know, and if you study all the religions that I have, you study Judaism, you study the Catholic Church, you study Christianity, or you study even Muslim Islam. Okay, all ex charging excessive interest is essentially morally wrong. Yeah. Okay. Now these banks are getting it for nothing. Because they're, they're using our money. money. What? Because they're using our money. They use our money. They get they getting their money for nothing, and they're leveraging out. 10 times minimally, okay? And so they're getting all this money, interest income, and they're doing nothing for it. So yeah, getting back to helping your people. Yeah, so people have, have a strong balance sheet. You know, um, a lot of things, common sense, stay physically fit, you know? Invest in yourself first. We were talking, guys, we were talking about if you invest in something, you know, you know invest in yourself first. Um, you, know, uh, you know, spiritually, mentally, yep. physically. Um, you know, and, and, you know, build a, uh, uh, how can I put it? A, uh, a network of, uh, you know, supporting, uh, spiritual people, you know, having good friends and that, cause that's what you're going to rely on when, when times get tough and they get tough for everybody. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff is common sense. Um, you know, and, you know, and, and read some books and turn off the television, you know? You know, because it's, 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 it's awful. You know, it's, Rich, what did Nelson uh, refer to uh, the, the TV as before he uh, decided that he wasn't going to watch it anymore? 
I can't remember what you I think he, he uh, like it was something box. it was yeah that was it the idiot yeah. box yeah. you know get away from the idiot box and read uh, and I, I remember when he he would talk about uh he was watching like the TV when Nixon made his statement about that we're all Keynesians now when they took us off the gold standard and he says he if it, he almost threw his shoe or something right through the TV <laughs> which at that time would have been a very expensive thing yeah. to replace but he says you're not talking about me you know and And, uh you know one thing that i i uh it's been sitting with me here and i just wanted to circle back with it real quick bear because it was something we talked about before we kind of hit live on the record and we were talking about one of these other large canadian um private equity firms a very well-known one brookfield and there's a recent acquisition that they made again this is like where we're seeing this private equity shifting into the acquisition of stability through other types of companies. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, yeah, they, they, they call it's, it's, it's new. It's the new Bay Street, Wall Street, City of London play. And so they don't like it because when these private equity firms, they go up, they have to raise capital and they have to call in the interior teachers plan, the Casa de Depot or whatever, or, you know, the state of New York or CalPERS, whatever. So they, they don't, they don't like, so they want to have what is called permanent cap, so which money they can hold on to and lever the heck out of it. Um, so there's no one better in the world, uh, really anywhere in the world, um, that can uh, essentially raise capital and retain capital like a life insurance company because of the, you know, the way the products are structured. It's meant to be long-term investments. Annuities, things like that, you know, the, the, the surrender charges. So the money's really, so they, they get it, okay? And, and so when they see it, what a company like... Um, uh, let's talk about Brookfield Asset Management. Since they bought American National uh, last week, whatever, five for $5 billion. A very well-run life company. Uh, wasn't mutual, but they I'd done business with them for years. And um, But they want to ha- have access to the, you know, the billions and billions of, of cash so they can gamble more with it. And if they screw up, well, they, have, they can go back to the well. So they want to really kind of get into that space. And um, I, I think it's wrong because I don't know how the I know how the system works in the U.S. I know how it works in the U.K. Um, but um, any when you buy a company, uh, any type of company, um, uh, all interest is deductible um, to the to the corporate corporation. Right? Yeah. Is that is that the way in Canada as well? I don't know if it's that way. Basically, if you're if you're using you know not to dispense. Say, say you guys say you guys buy a. So you guys have a building, you buy a building or you buy a company and you, you get a loan for that. Um, yeah. is as the long as it's for the, for the purpose of generating a profit, then it's, dedu- it's considered. Yeah. It has okay. to, yeah, it's gotta be to generate a taxable gain or taxable income. And then it's Say, a legit, legitimate deduction. Okay. The identical to the U S. So the whole thing is that all this debt is, you know, is being underwritten by the Canadian taxpayer in, in your situation. Yeah. Or the American taxpayer. Okay. And I'll give you a great example. Cirque du Soleil. You ever heard about that little company? Oh, yeah. Going, yeah. Oh, Quebec over there in Montreal? <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, uh, who? Now who? Yeah. Cirque du Soleil. That was a, a giant, that was a giant private equity deal led by Texas Pacific Group. And it was, it was kind of, and uh, Casa de Poe, I think, was a member of that. And they over the lever the, the crap on it, and, and the pandemic came, and they went into bankruptcy. Where they call it, what do they call it? Administrator's agreement 
in Canada. What do they call bankruptcy? It's they're all the same. Canadian, you know, administration is a bankruptcy. Oh, yeah. So, yep, yeah, it's all under the Canadian Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act, and same thing. Yeah, same thing. In the UK, they call it administration. So, so, so the world-renowned Cirque du Soleil, which is a pretty amazing company, the, the shows they did and so it was, it was they, because they were so leveraged with debt, they went bankrupt. And now I don't think they've ever really gone. You know, and then we had COVID happen, the whole thing. But so, but you know, so that's one example of a uh, the dangers of too much debt. It, it is uh, interesting to see that you have these Canadian uh, private equity firms, you have um, acquisition of American entities. Let's just pause for a moment and think about that. Why isn't it happening here in our own backyard? It, it's, the, it's the difference in our regulatory framework. And we talked about it before we hit the record button. Capital is mobile. Capital doesn't care. It doesn't what, care. Doesn't care what flag is on the the flagpole. <laughs> Capital goes where it's well treated, <clears throat> appreciated, and where there's the least amount of regulation and least amount of government interference, and that capital will move. Yeah, and through the Cayman Islands, <laughs> or you know, <laughs> where it's also quite nice. And <laughs> Cayman Islands, cool. Isle of Man, or you know, or, or uh, Tortola, or someplace like that. So it's important to understand what's going on. Yeah. And, and, and the, so, the, me, the media is doing a great job of playing that distraction game where they, they keep the masses distracted from what's really, truly going on. And they paint the wealthy as villains. They paint the wealthy as bad people. And think of any movie, any film that you see where you're dealing with the, the ultra wealthy character in the film. They're always portrayed as the villain. And so the media has got the general public focused on all the, the noise and the nonsense that's going on and not focused on what's really going on. And your books describe perfectly why that is and what the, what the intentions are uh, behind that. And so what we're talking about, again, for our viewers and listeners, uh, Barry Dyke's books, uh, The uh, Pirates of Manhattan, uh, both the uh, guaranteed income. These books are going to be available to you to purchase. We'll make those arrangements and provide links to Barry's content. Uh, you will want to explore the research that he's done much further so you can gain a deeper understanding of what's truly going on. And Barry's yeah. own show at the the Economic Warrior, which is yeah. on YouTube and on his website. Yeah, go to uh, people out there, go to barryjamesdyke.com. Um, and... Um, I haven't really done any uh, the economic worry show lately because I've been involved with a couple of uh, projects and uh, my my daughter was doing on my video work is she's a surfer you know girl so but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I love her and uh, but but then I get involved in this this documentary and a couple of things so uh, but I will be getting back to that uh, because then I'll be interviewing the economists uh, who we're in the I'm in the movie with so. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's great. Yeah. So when 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 you understand what's going on, it's really it's pretty much the it's although you cross borders, it's really kind of the same. Yeah. You know, and um, uh, you know, Canada to its credit, it, you know, seems to be run a lot more um, uh, efficiently than the U.S. But um, and uh, 
but you know when i saw like the the debt numbers of what what homes are in ontario it's like what it's just stupid yeah. vancouver as well as one of the it's the government printing a bunch of money monetizing debt and real asset prices go right up into orbit and someone's got a someone's got to reckon with that and guess it's guess who it's going to be main street you, and me, you know and uh, i'm yeah. curious about that because is that that ties into a little bit we were talking about gresham's law uh prior to henry yeah. as well do you want to maybe speak to our viewers about yeah that's that? really really important to, to um uh, to understand there was a uh, british mathematician and economist and he worked the king of the queen i forget what it was but anyhow people can google it sir thomas gresham if you don't believe me please you know if you have a question google it but essentially, uh, Gresham posited the idea of what's called uh, bad money pushes out good, which means is that, you know, something that used to be, uh, uh, in other words, like we were talking about cereal boxes, in other words, where you had a, a big box, so now it's, it's a much smaller box and they're charging you the same amount of money. Yeah. Or when money used to be backed by gold, now it's backed by nothing, you know? Um, so, so essentially what we're seeing is more and more money um, is, is pushing out the good stuff. So when we print more and more money, which all these central banks are doing, this essentially, uh, it, it waters down the value of the currency. So uh, I'll give you a great example. Um, and this is kind of crazy how it is. Um, I like Porsches, okay? And they're very nice cars, okay? This, you know, I bought one, a very nice one. I used one in 2013 last year, uh, for a good amount of money, let's just put it this way. It's gone up like $18,000, okay, in the past year. People. And actually, the, the, the dealership is willing to buy it back. My point is, is that because we're having so much printing of money, the, 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 the values are getting so inflated. And a lot of the good stuff, if it has real, if it has real value, it, it's going to inflate. So, but my point is that, yeah, so in the U.S., you know, a dollar, a dollar used to be actually be backed by gold. Now it's backed by nothing. Um, and so this, so this is what, you, what we're seeing. And so the good stuff, like good whole life insurance companies, okay, which used to be, there used to be a ton of them in the U.S., there used to be a ton in Canada. I don't think there's any, any good ones left in the U.K. anymore. So the really good things are getting pushed out. So the real mm. quality companies, you know, it's, 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 it's like a, a game of musical chairs. So there's fewer and fewer really good companies to do business with. And I know you guys do business with and, and um, uh, so you, you know what i'm talking about yeah so a good mutual company which looks out for the policyholders first and foremost is better than a stockholder company end of story we don't have to talk anymore <laughs> plain you know and simple I mean? it's plain and simple guys you know mutual company you're part of the deal okay your stock company you're let you're 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 behind the shareholders it's the tale of two masters and one's chasing quarterly share profits and the other one isn't. And, and that's the really good thing with, with my insurance and with my clients. I don't want, people don't want to know what's going on every, they want to look at every quarter. No, but so if you're with a good company, a like good mutual company, they're the good stuff, okay? Unfortunately, there's less and less of that. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Barry, this was incredible. Um, we, well, uh, we are just so delighted that you were you, you know, generous with your time and um, with us here today. Uh, if you're okay with it, we'd love to have you back. And yeah. sure. 
We uh, can that, talk about uh, the uh, the documentary after it airs and, and yeah, yeah, that'll be coming in October. A, yeah, so you have a new book good. that you're working on, also. Is that correct? Yeah, guaranteed income too. So I'll have to probably do an ebook because uh, as I said I don't want to <laughs> because I don't want to be charging uh, <laughs> the, the prices. You guys, the Canada, Canadian, but I love Canada. Okay, don't get me wrong. Okay, but the Canadian postal system. I don't. Why is it so expensive now? I don't. Really, really privatize it or something? No, no, it's, no, it's, yeah. uh, it's anything that comes across the border. It, it, it costs an arm and a leg. Like even, you yeah. know, we, we buy tons of, we sell a lot of Nelson's books and those, you know, we, you know, a lot come through our office and it's like, yeah, not only do you have to pay for all that extra shipping and the currency exchange adjustment, which varies substantially from time to time. But then even like three months later, there's another bill that shows up randomly from FedEx. It's like, you also got to add that into the, then, then you got to re, you know, you got to rejig your pricing so that you can sell the book to give someone a book that's at a reasonable price point where you're not, you're not taking the hit person, you know, you're not taking the hit as a business um, to be able to provide it as a, you know, as a service. Yeah. So I'll probably do an ebook because they have this uh, as well, which I really want to do because the Amazon and that's another story, but, uh, but um, I just want to get the word out there. But yeah. Cause the problem with the uh, Canada, I still like physical books myself, but the, um, uh, the, 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 you know, if I, if I sell uh, a, a $28 a book, I, I throw in postage for free in the U.S. In media mail. It may take a week, week or two longer, but it's, 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 I ship the same book. I ship it to Canada. I got to charge close to 50 bucks because of yeah. the, because of the uh, shipping costs to Canada. Well, we'll work something out so that we can uh, get these into our bookstore yeah. and uh, get them across the border and then uh, be able to provide them at a reasonable price uh, because the knowledge in these books is priceless. And so, uh, Barry, thank you again, sincerely. Rich, you want to take us home? Yeah, absolutely, Barry. You know, the last question we'd like to kind of, you know, maybe just hear from you is um, when you go go through the process of doing this research, creating all this knowledge, you may not think of yourself as a superhero, but when you're actively adding value to other people's lives and you're sharing this work and the message in your research, really a, a lifelong endeavor ultimately um, that you've put into this, and you're exposing these truths for so many people, you show up as a hero. And so our question for you is, who would you like to be a hero to? My kids, you know, I mean, it's, it's really simple. You know, my friends, you know, I mean, I don't, it's, I don't have that, you know. Uh, you know, when I meet my maker, I hope he says, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, really that simple, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I know some celebrities and the whole thing. Like, I don't have any envy towards them at all, you know, or, um, and, but no, just, just, you know, you know, now I was a good dad, a good father and a good son, you know, a good neighbor. That's, that's enough for me. Very well put. Awesome. Thank you again, Barry, sincerely. And uh, for all of our viewers, uh, if you just look right over here, you're going to see a recommended um, list of additional videos that we would encourage you to continue your journey of learning. Make sure to pop down into the show notes. You'll find links to uh, purchase Barry's books, to Barry's wonderful content and resources that he puts out uh, for the world to consume as well. And we encourage you to continue to learn. There's no such thing as having arrived in knowledge. There's always something new to learn. So make the rest of your week great, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much, gentlemen. It was a real pleasure. Thanks. God bless. 
Thanks for listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, where your wealth matters. Be sure to check out our social media channels for more great content. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and be sure to rate the show. We definitely appreciate it. And don't forget to share this episode with someone you care about. Join us on the next episode where we continue to uncover the financial tools, strategies, and the mindsets that maximize your wealth.